It's Uncovered, and uh, welcome to yet another episode. I'm Anthony Davis, and he is Ron Filipkowski. And um, we, have a, we have a spectacular show today, uh, and I should caveat that by saying that today's show is pre-recorded. So uh, we're not live because I have a week off. <laughs> I have a vacation. So if anything that we say, you think, oh, well, that happened three days ago. Well, that's because it did. <laughs> but I, we didn't want you to to miss out on the dynamic duo. Um, uh, Ron, I see you're wearing my costume today. Is this, is this something we need to talk about? I, I thought, I thought, you know, I usually wear the bright colors being here in Florida, but yeah, I thought we should match today since you're going on vacation and yeah, I'm, I'm not going to see you for a couple of weeks. So I know. I know. Well, it's, yeah. it's like you're in mourning or something. <laughs> right. um, okay. So we've got quite a lot to talk about. Uh, we've got a lot of Donald Trump action, which definitely is uh, worthy of note. And as you know, on this show, we uncover all of the, the kind of uh, MAGA white supremacy, the extremism, the propaganda that is not covered by the mainstream media. Uh, so we've got lots to get through. But let's start with um, the news uh, on Friday that Jack Smith is supplementing his earlier motion for a gag order on Donald Trump by citing, among other recent threats, Trump's post threatening General Mark Milley with execution. I mean, this is obviously very serious, isn't it? Just uh, tell us about this. This is this is quite interesting. So the hearing on this, by the way, is uh, October 16th. So it's a little ways away. People are frustrated that, you know, it, it takes a month to have this hearing on this. But, you know, this is a very tricky situation for the judge, um, because on the one hand, you have an unhinged criminal defendant who's saying all these crazy things, threatening people, etc., but the balancing side of that is the First Amendment. And, and he this person also happens to be running for president. So, you know, part of his campaign is that these um, prosecutions are political and orchestrated to knock him out. So his argument is, you know, this is all part of my campaign, uh, the, the, the need to criticize these prosecutions. So and I think that the government recognizes that he should be allowed to say some things about these cases but not cross the line into threat. So it, it is going to be very interesting to see what Judge Chutkan comes up with, how to fashion this to rein in Trump's threatening behavior, including this thing about Milley, and yet allow him to campaign and, and still speak his mind. So it, the, the devil, like I said before that on this, the devil is in the details about how this is worded, number one, and number two, how it's going to be enforced is the next question. What's interested, interesting to me is that Jack Smith is not kind of now that he, you know, now that Trump is in his sight line, he's not going to let anything go. And, and actually what we have become normalized by is Trump's extremist and, and far right behavior, saying stuff like, I'm going to execute this person or, you know, shooting migrants in the leg, like stuff that we maybe laughed off. Because in isolation, these things might, you know, out of context, they might seem even amusing. This is the problem with him playing that kind of clown role, is that you can end up laughing off really very threatening and abusive far-right and, and fascist language as just, oh, that's just Trump being Trump. But when it comes to the law, Jack Smith is not going to drop the ball on this, is he? No. And, and what, what was really interesting, if you read through this uh, filing, which was done on Friday nights, 22 pages, is that Jack Smith's team is very closely monitoring all of his appearances and his speeches and his social media posts. In a footnote, they, they talked about him buying the gun and they talked about the fact that his spokesman posted a clip and then later deleted the clip and statements that were made about. So. So these are things that, you know, you really have to be paying attention to know that his spokesperson posted that clip and then later deleted it. So so they are obviously keeping very close tabs on Donald Trump. And, and that's encouraging. It, and, and just to add to this, and I'm about to show a clip of Donald Trump making a speech where, again, the it's almost as if the pressure of these cases is making him more extreme. And, you know, he as he becomes more scared that, you know, going to jail or even having to you know, give evidence in court or whatever is is putting the frighteners on him. And so instead of like quietening down, probably on the advice of his lawyers, 
he's he's turning up the heat and he's becoming more and more extremist. I'll play the clip. While I'm playing this clip, would you put your little mat under your microphone because I can hear oh, it right? yes, of course. <laughs> Thank you very much. Here it okay. is. And when they're there, they'll knock the hell out of you and kill you in some cases. And we will immediately stop all of the pillaging and theft. Very simply, if you rob a store, you can fully expect to be shot as you are leaving that store. Shot. I mean, his face, you know, once he realized that he was reminding me of like Hitler speeches, you know, when like Hitler was riling up the crowd, it would make him physically change and he would become even more of a, of a strong man in those moments. You could really see it in Trump's face. I, I agree with your point. I think that the, the cases are getting to him and the rhetoric is getting ratcheted up and getting worse. Um, I think this is a new thing here, this shooting of the of so-called looters. I think this is in response to what happened in Philadelphia the other day. Yeah where some people, um, you know, looted the Apple store or whatever. Um, so they tried to destroy the phones because they realized that the phones were tracking them. So right, was, right. I mean, so that yeah. Was, it, that, was a, that was a crazy video as well. Nobody, you know, advocates that. Or the, the problem is, is that when you start saying, okay, people who do that should be shot on site, what you're doing is, well, number one, the pres- he claims that as president, he is going to allow, what, store security guards to shoot people who steal. Uh, the president doesn't have that power. That power is not in the constitution anywhere. That would be, so that he knows that number one, he knows he can't even do this. Okay. So this is all just stuff to get the crowd fired up. What he wants is vigilantism. What he wants is, is Kyle Rittenhouse's all over the place, taking up arms and shooting people who they think are stealing something. The problem is you have innocent bystanders. You have people who see things and they're mistaken and, it, and it's not really what what it appears. You, you just can't have people, we're already so heavily armed, blasting away at people because they think they're stealing something. And and this is almost the, the kind of army that he's often spoken about before and also people on the right talk about that, you know, for a, for a forthcoming civil war or forthcoming, you know, where if Trump gets done, then there will be... Uh, an army of people who are supporting him, who are armed, who are going to present themselves. I mean, that that is what is spoken about in these kind of QAnon uh, message boards. They're, they're there for him, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what he's trying to do is his, he's gearing up for that day when he's convicted. You know, because I've always said, and I still believe this, that's, that's the big day. The day that he ever has to actually go to jail. And, and I don't believe Judge Chutkan is going to let him stay out pending appeal. I think when oh, he really? is convicted, which I believe will happen in April, he will be going to jail, I believe then. And so that's really what you said. The big question is, if there's going to be a violent act done by his supporters, that, that will be the time, the most dangerous time. And, and you can sense now that a little bit like January 6th, he would love that. You know, to him, oh, that sure. would really kind of motivate him and feel loved because with the malignant narcissism, you know, he really, it's a bit like having a food addiction. You know, you're just trying to eat your feelings because you need to feel something. And he loves to feel. That's why in that moment, I might actually play the clip again because I want people to really look at his face after he talks about shooting people who, who rob a store. But then once the crowd starts to rally and the clapping and the cheering, then see how he puffs out his chest. When they're there, they'll knock the hell out of you and kill you in some cases. And we will immediately stop all of the pillaging and theft. Very simply, if you rob a store, you can fully expect to be shot as you are leaving that store. Shot. The stepping away from the mic to increase the crowd is a kind of standard move for show people. He, yeah, he, he he really is a showman. Uh, in, in the Barnum. same speech, he he laughed about Nancy Pelosi's husband getting his head bashed in by a home invasion intruder, yeah. and got a big applause line for that and and reveled in that. He he loves this stuff. Yeah, when he says violent, crazy stuff, and the crowd loves it. 
he loves it. You you can see he's he's in ecstasy right there. Yeah. I really don't want to think about Donald Trump in ecstasy. <laughs> Thanks so much for the for the image. Um, now, some co-defendants are starting to plead guilty. People are basically flipping on him. Scott Hall, one of the 18 defendants charged, along with Trump, for interfering with the, the 2020 election results in Georgia. He pleaded gr uh, guilty last Friday, didn't he? Tell us about this. This took everybody by surprise because it wasn't announced. So when we got the word that um, he was pleading guilty, we jumped on the live feed uh the Midas guys you know there was four of us I think that were watching it and recording it and um what I said is we got to see if he's cooperating because you know people can plead guilty and not cooperate lots of people do that they yeah. say okay I'll plead guilty I'll take the deal but I'm not going to testify against anybody I've had many clients make those kind of deals so we were all interested to see is he testifying and and right at the end of his plea that was made part of the agreement that he will agree to testify so so he got five years probation he got no jail time but you know he's got to testify against anybody now who is this the worst news for it's the worst news for Sidney Powell because mm -hmm. he was the one who was connected to her in tampering with the voting machines in Coffee County so it's that part of the racketeering case that he is he's he, he clearly implicates Sidney Powell so so these things are like dominoes. So he falls. Now Sydney knows. So this guy might not have any connection to Donald Trump, but Sydney knows, okay, I'm screwed if this guy is going to testify against me. So now I've got to make a deal. That's the connection to Donald. Sydney clearly has a connection to Donald Trump, at the very least to Rudy. So once you have one domino fall, it knocks down the next one, and then you're getting closer and closer to the main defendant, which is Trump. And Sidney Powell, who, to all intents and purposes, is is as nuts as a box of frogs. Of course, she's the person who was peddling the the voting system uh, fraud and saying that Hugo Chavez had somehow kind of infiltrated the voting machines. And, I mean, it was just absolute nonsense. And I thought she must know when she was up on these stages and saying this stuff that this is just garbage. But she actually believed it, didn't she? Yeah, she's crazy enough to actually believe this stuff. Yeah. And let's not forget, she was in the White House, you know, before January 6th. She had an audience with Donald Trump. Um, and she urged Donald Trump and Donald Trump strongly considered appointing her as special counsel to investigate voting fraud. And it, it was only after his whole White House counsel threatened to resign you know, that that did not happen. So she was in there with Flynn, with Rudy. Uh, so, yes, you have like actually completely insane people that have access to the president because simply because, you know, they're they're telling him what he wants to hear. Well, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, we heard in that in those two interviews, actually, the NBC one and the Megyn Kelly one that Trump did recently, where he basically said that, you know, he got advice from lawyers, but then there were other people, there were other lawyers that he heard stuff from. And so clearly he knows like there are some there are some lawyers who are in reality and then there are other kind of fantasy-based lawyers like Rudy and Sidney who are just going to tell him what he wants to hear. And and ultimately those are the people that he sided with. Right. So it's you have all of DOJ telling him there's nothing here. All of his White House counsel people telling him nothing here. All of his campaign lawyers and campaign managers telling him nothing here. So who did he side with? John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, and Sidney Powell. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, that really just sums up who Trump is and the kind of people he would associate with. You know, it's it's just crackpots and criminals. You know, Jeffrey Epstein, yep. like the people that he are in his orbit traditionally have just been pretty much the bottom feeders of society who somehow have done rather well for themselves. Um Let's talk about the union speeches that have been going on, this kind of rival union speeches, because, of course, Joe Biden did something that is historic, really, in American political history, and that is going down to a picket line and, and being there with, with union workers and, and you know, factory workers and getting on a bullhorn and, and making a short speech and you know giving that level of support to, to the unions is, is really kind of special, you know? And... Donald Trump was like, well, if he's doing it, then I can do it too. Except the difference was he went to a non-unionized plant 
didn't know what he was talking about, didn't have any kind of synergy of the moment. Just explain. Let me show the short clip, and then we, you can just explain right. kind of how he tried to make this look legitimate. But we will stop him. Hopefully, your leaders at United Auto Workers will endorse Donald Trump. He was looking for endorsement at the end of the day. It's the only reason he went there. Well, what he wants is for that to be shown on Fox and Newsmax and other networks to make the audience, the TV audience, think that he is in front of UAW workers right there. When he's not. He 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 that's at nighttime at a non-union auto parts plant run by some conservative Trump supporters. Yeah. And you know, they put UAW signs in their hands. Thankfully, there were, there were some local reporters from the Detroit News there who actually interviewed some of these people and went up. So one had a, auto workers for Trump. And the reporter said, are you an auto worker? Uh, no, I'm I just love Trump and I'm holding this sign, <laughs> you know, and another one said, you know, UAW supports Trump. And the reporter went up to that person. Are you a member of the UAW? No, I, I'm non-union. So so it's creating this illusion that, you know, he's up there with all these union workers who are cheering him. Yeah. And that is, there was no union workers there. That was number one. Number two, you know, what he said was that everything Biden, all the things that the union workers are striking for and everything Biden is, says is irrelevant because Biden um, is encouraging. He has not put forth any mandates yet into law or any executive orders, but he is encouraging people to buy electronic electric vehicles and this is going to put you know the auto industry out of work because it takes 20 to 30 percent fewer workers to manufacture an electric vehicle than an internal combustion vehicle so so his argument is basically like joe biden is going to put all of you out of work and send your jobs to china so it doesn't really matter if you're union or not and he he's so misinformed about electric vehicles you know he keeps saying they're all made in china which is not true because of course Correct. if you want to get a federal tax credit of, of seven and a half thousand dollars in the in the u.s the vehicle needs to be made in the u.s you know like the chevy bolt is one of the biggest sellers they're all made in the u.s um and so that that obviously is completely wrong the other thing that you know he talks about is how expensive they are but what he fails to realize is the reason they're kind of quicker to make is because they only have three parts in them they have, a, they have a battery, they have an inverter, an electric motor, and they're all sealed so they don't break. So you don't have to service your car. Right? It doesn't require going into the shop. So, you know, this kind of we have to have some some progressive thinking if we're going to save the planet and save ourselves some money in the long run. He's not interested in any of that. He's just like making up negative propaganda about electric vehicles. I wanted to ask you. Who do you think made those signs that, that people were holding that, that weren't representing them properly? Oh, and that's his advanced team. You know, it's Steve Chung, and um, who's his campaign spokesperson, and Jason Miller, who's his advanced guy. You know, they, they do that. They, they're they very good at putting on fake shows and orchestrating things. We've talked about this before. They're quite good at that, and, and they did it again. It's all stagecraft and theater. And and they're and that's the strength of the Trump campaign is they are good at that and they're good at filling up rooms of you know cultist uh, supporters, but you and know they pay and, people and, sometimes as well, don't they? I mean, they, they pay people. Yeah, they to, do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Present. Like the Blacks for Trump people are getting some cash that <laughs> stand behind him with the Blacks for Trump shirts. So, so um, you know, I, I wrote a column though about because this is so this protectionism you know stuff that they do is so typical. You know, this we went through this with the horse and buggy industry in the United States, yeah. where, you know, when cars were being invented, this same rhetoric that Trump is using was used back then 100 years ago to try and defend the horse and buggy industry against internal combustion cars. The same arguments are now being made about electric vehicles. The, the human race progresses. This is part of that progression. And there is some pain along the way when you transition yeah. from one in, in, industry and invention to another. I, I, incidentally, I have an electric car, which I bought on Craigslist for $4,000. And it's fantastic. And, and the, so this is the point. It's never needed servicing. It's 10 years old, but it's like in brand new condition. And, and they're still there. There's hundreds of them listed. This is the thing, you know, like you, you can go out of your way to kind of 
jump on board and do your bit for the for the planet. Interestingly, there's a little bit of a caveat. There's a very good documentary on Prime, I think, called Who Killed the Electric Car? Because the electric car actually was around 20, 30 years ago. In fact, the first cars, the Model T and that lot, they were all electric vehicles. You know, the first, the first cars had batteries in them before they took gas. But it was the oil industry, once they realised that you could actually put gas into a car and burn it and it becomes a combustible uh, commodity, they, that's when the propaganda started. So the same oil companies that do propaganda to stop people thinking that carbon emissions cause climate change were the same companies that were putting propaganda out there to say that, you know, battery cars were no good and that actually gas is where it's at. And so time and time again, it's all about money, it's all about control, and tragically now we're paying the price because the planet is burning. Anyway, that's my climate change speech over. Appreciate you standing standing by for that. Um, let's talk about uh, Melania now, because you made a prediction about Melania Trump uh, a while back, didn't you? I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, so when, um, you know, you can always kind of tell what's going on behind the scenes. So that was my prediction back in May, was when this Fox News story came out, said, oh, Melania is fully behind the campaign and said it would be a privilege. The context of this was Melania had disappeared for months. No one had seen her for many months, and she was not attending any events with Trump, none of the dinners. And the reports was that she was angry and she wanted nothing more to do with politics, like Ivanka, it's the same thing, and nothing more to do with campaigning, wanted out, wanted to be a private person with her son. And I believe, absolutely believe that is the case. And and so I think Trump and, and Trump's campaign people fully understood that that's going to be a big problem, that if she doesn't at least get out there a little bit and show her support, it's going to look really bad. And so you have this Fox story come out. So what I said at the time is knowing them and their relationship is very transactional. There is There was no doubt in my mind that he sweetened the prenup to get her to do the bare minimum and just go out and give one. She gave like a five minute interview to Fox saying she was in favor. That's about the only thing she's done. She hasn't made an appearance on the campaign trail yet. So I speculated knowing them as I know that, oh, this prenup got renegotiated. And then it was just confirmed this week. In fact, that did happen at that time. So I nailed it. And the last time the prenup was renegotiated was over Stormy Daniels was when the news broke about the Stormy Daniels stuff during 2016. She renegotiated the prenup back then to continue to stay with him and stay on board. But does so this prove that the whole marriage has been transactional? Her, her original prenup had like escalator clauses that were the amount of money she would get if they divorced went up the longer she stayed with him and also went up if she had a kid. So, yeah. It's pretty funny. And very sad as well, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, she's basically living. She's like, she's like, it's like modern slavery, right? She's basically living as a, as a modern slave in, in this world where there's pressure to stay, obviously, for the public face. But privately, I'm sure she thinks he's disgusting, as most of us do. I mean, I feel very, I, you know, I don't feel sorry for her in as much as I know that she's very, she's a far right and very, you know, she has some really very extreme views, uh, you, you know, when you've heard her in interviews. And of course, that famous audio tape of her talking about the Christmas decorations at the White House, where she was swearing and just like, why do I need to do this? It's all stupid. But I also recognize that to have to, you know, really sell yourself, it's, it's like, I don't know, I, it's, it's a whole other conversation to have. And, and, you know, we talk about people in servitude and modern slavery and, and in a way Melania's role as his partner is, is that in many ways. Uh, you know, maybe yeah. she's happy with being well remunerated. Yeah, I, I don't think she's a good person very much at all. I mean, I'd say like if I could say one positive thing about her, she seems to be a very good mom, you know, who's really gone out of her way to protect uh, her son Baron from all of this nonsense yeah. and keep him out of all of this. Yeah. And uh, you know, so at, at least I'll say that for her, but I, I think, and I don't think she likes being around Trump. I don't think she particularly likes him anymore, 
But, you know, she signed, this is what she signed up for and she's still taking the money. Right. And maybe she knew what she was signing up for. Yeah. You know? But, but the, th well, the reason I talk about it in the terms that I do is when she started, you know, she, she was uh, somebody who was like going in for these beauty contests, you know, like wanting to be picked, like it was a ticket out yep. of Eastern Europe. And to yep. be able to get out of Eastern Europe, and eventually she did, and brought her family, and, and then became the first lady of the United States. I mean, in a way, it's a kind of rather Cinderella story. I was going to say a Cinderella story. Yeah, <laughs> the 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 American dream it really can happen. All you have to do is have sex with Donald Trump. That's it. Um, let's talk about uh, this uh, sham impeachment that's been uh, going on. It's not even an impeachment. Let's be clear about that. This is just a kind of inquiry. It's an initial conversation that is had but it looks like a court of law to the to the naked eye right the problem is when you broadcast it on fox it has all the trappings of, of an impeachment hearing right so that's what republicans are using and putting it out on fox and showing that oh you know we are starting to impeach joe biden except they're not and they don't have any evidence i'm going to show this clip from uh, aoc just tell us about this first Okay. Uh, well, oh, this is the doctored uh, text the, messages the doctored from Byron text Donald. Message, yeah. yeah. So I'll preface that by saying, like, these this hearing is a complete waste of time, and impeachment is never going to pass. There's already been like 25 or 30 Republicans in the House who said they're not going to vote for impeachment. So yeah. this is all a charade for Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, so we know that. But I will say, like, this is great fun for me and theater for me and my team because. These the, the Republicans on this committee are complete idiots. They're clowns. And um, and they're so overmatched by the Democrats. Yeah. This isn't just me saying it. You know, Steve Bannon is saying this like Matt Gates is saying this. Other Republicans are saying like our people are overmatched. Seb Gorka said it by the Democrats on this committee. And and they are. You know, we've got Jamie Raskin. We've got Dan Goldman. We got AOC. We've got uh, so many good people on this committee who are kicking butt and just taking it to the democrat to the republicans and and they have they have no proof and so they just look like fools as they're presenting this evidence so what byron donalds did here is he doctored some text messages and took them completely out of context to make it look like they were saying one thing when they were saying something completely different and once again these people can't get away with anything you know, uh, AOC called him out on this. You know, another funny part was Jared Moskowitz was was like, as the hearing is going on, Steve Bannon was on his show ripping the Republicans. And he's like reading to them what Bannon is saying about them in the middle of the hearing. I'm like, that's great staff work. Someone on his staff was like monitoring Steve Bannon and got him that information. So, I mean, it's kind of like fun for me to watch the Republicans is getting destroyed in these hearings. But tragically, this is wasting everybody's time. There's yeah. a government shutdown. I wish it wasn't happening. On, right? yeah. It's yeah. costing the taxpayer to have these hearings. Yep. Um, I'll show AOC on top form. To, uh, I want to emphasize why that's important. Earlier today, one of our colleagues, a gentleman from Florida, presented up on this screen something that looked, appeared to be a screenshot of a text message containing or insinuating an explosive allegation. That screenshot of what appeared to be a text message was a fabricated image. It was a fabricated image. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was the staff of the committee, but it was not the actual direct screenshot from that phone. And in fact, I would like to submit to the committee the actual full context from, as a, from the Ziegler Affidavit Number 1, Exhibit 402, of the full text of that exchange. Do I have permission from the chair? Importantly, what was brought out from, from that fabricated image excluded critical context that changed the underlying meaning and allegation that was presented up on that screen by this committee and by, by members of this committee. Now, they are well within their right to do that because they are covered by the speech and debate clause. This was not submitted by a material or fact witness under oath. 
That was not submitted by a material or fact witness under oath. They're so meticulous, aren't they, the Democrats? They also have intellect and they also have uh, a moral compass, something that many of these Republicans lack. Yeah, so she's pointing out that, like, the committee members are introducing evidence. It's not coming in through witnesses, right? The committee members are, are just bringing evidence into the hearing. We don't know it's if it's reliable, if it's accurate, and we see that it's not. She's also mentions the speech and debate clause. What she's saying is the only reason why you can get away with lying like this and fabricating shit is because you have congressional immunity because this is taking place during a hearing. If not, you'd probably go to jail for doing something like this. And then the third thing is she has the clock, which many of the Democrats had that clock that they were passing around, counting down the hours until the government shut down to show how absurd it was that they were holding this hearing when they're just days away from shutting down the government. I mean, do you think that this very performative aspect of of Republicans under the direction of Donald Trump, you know, impeach Joe Biden, shut down the government, this is all coming from Trump via his back channels to give the impression that that, the Democrats can't run the, you know, run the country. But of course, you know, it's Republicans at every stage. Do you think that, that not just Trump supporters, but Republican voters know that this whole thing is a sham? Do you think, you know, the, is the reporting happening? Because I was watching Hannity the other night after that hearing, and he was like, yeah, they they really gave it to him, you know? The, the There's so much evidence. And he basically, he did what Bill Barr did with the Mueller report. He basically, like, paraphrased the whole thing with a volume turned down. Nobody pays attention to Sean Hannity anymore on the right. I mean, like, <laughs> literally, like... They laugh at him. I mean, his his audience is basically like over 70 Bush Republicans, right. I mean, which is like a tiny, you know, one percent of the, the Republican Party. He had the second biggest show on the network before. I mean, is that for, is he, huh? he had the second biggest show on the network after Tucker Carlson? Well, because, yeah, his ratings have gone way down since Tucker left. He, oh, he's always depended on a Bill O'Reilly or a Tucker Carlson to set up his ratings. He's. He's pampered and coddled and he's he's tired and old. He brings nothing to the table and he's not very popular on the right. No, I, I think that the almost everybody universally was, on the right was very disappointed in this hearing, equal, just as they were disappointed after Devin Archer's deposition. If Comer and, and Jordan didn't hype this stuff so much and build it up and get their hopes up and then deliver garbage then maybe people on the right wouldn't be as disappointed. But, you know, they get hyped up for these things like it's like their Super Bowl. And then, you know, it fizzles. It Maybe if they lowered expectations a little, you know, and said, well, you know, you got to be patient. We're going to do this methodically. But but they're not doing that. You know, they're constant because they want to get on Fox. They want to get on Newsmax. So they overhype, they overpromise and underdeliver. And that's a bad combo. And the reaction to this has been significant from, you mentioned Gorka and Bannon. We're actually going to look at a video of them in just a moment. We have to take our okay. uh, brief commercial break, and then we'll be back with more from Ron Filipkowski and myself here on Uncovered. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Maid uses silver-infused fabrics that makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Did you know that traditional bedsheets can harbour more bacteria than a toilet seat? It can lead to acne, allergies and stuffy noses. It's just gross. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding such as sheets, pillowcases and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bedsheets you used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts. Sleep clean with Miracle. 
Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code uncovered at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered and use the code uncovered to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash uncovered to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. I just wanted to mention, before we look at this video of Sebastian Gorka, let's just go back to the hearing for a second, because Jasmine Crockett, who is the representative from Texas, she, to use a British phrase, played a blinder, which means that she was on absolute great form. Would you, would you agree, the way she just handled this whole, these, these Republicans? She chewed them up and spat them out. Yeah, she was really good because she brings a different perspective to it, the, the human perspective. And talking, she talked about Joe, you know, wanting to how how much he loved his son and how That's he was right. overprotective. And and yeah, while the other Democrats on the committee, like Raskin and Moskowitz, and they're lawyers, yeah. you know, Goldman, and they're they're going at it from a legal evidentiary perspective, which is extremely important to do. But I thought that she, Crockett, really brought the human side of this to say, you guys are beating up on this guy because he's a good dad whose yeah. son was on drugs. The only crime is loving his son too much. Right. And she said, if, 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 I could, if I was loved by my parent as much as he is, then I would be, you know, I would be thrilled with that. And I think there's something that we can all understand and 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 you know empathize with at least we should we should do you know hi to my mum by the way um okay let's uh let's look at the reaction from some of the republicans to the hearing and uh, i'll show this is sebastian gorka going on uh, steve bannon's podcast which is one of your favorite shows <laughs> i know that much let's hear them out and they still owned the republicans utterly i reserve my time on that i mean think about it what did we witness today steve it was impeachment 48 of president trump they turned the whole thing into their photographs of Ivanka, photographs of Jared. I mean, it was like, it's like, and, and the GOP just like, uh-huh. And the GOP, you know, pisses me off the most, Steve, when they roll out Republicans and I, I'm a political junkie like you. And I see somebody who's like, you know, they're third in line, you know, 12 minutes in. And I've never heard of this this piker before. I've never heard of this congressman or woman. And they're just like, here's another yeah. meat puppet. Yeah. Here's your script, darling. Read it. And then the cretin, the stupid Democrat, just owns them, Steve. And then, and then the last thing... <laughs> Coma, Coma stands in the corridor afterwards and says, that was a great day. Uh, bumble, 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 bumble. And then he says, and um, uh, we just had one question. What, what did, what did uh, Biden's get for the tens of millions? And he doesn't answer the question. If, if you think you answered that question today, yeah. perhaps you yeah. should tell the American people what the answer to that question was. Yeah, I need it. He is a very distasteful creature. I actually had to look up the word piker. Have you ever heard that one before? I thought that was a British uh, term. No, pikey is a British term to, oh, yeah, to yeah. describe a, a kind of traveling person. Piker, I looked it up, is a pejorative slang term used to describe simplistic individuals who are said to have limited impact on the operations of the market or a business. Yeah, that's Comer. I mean, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good word for Comer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're frustrated. Look, Comer and Jim Jordan are not smart people. They're yeah. they're they're really dumb people. And they're actually from, you know, very close. They're not they're where they both grew up is not far apart from each other. Um, so, yeah, these are the people running the show. You know, thank thank God that that the Republicans don't have smarter people <laughs> on this committee uh, who might do a better job with some of this stuff. 
Um, yeah, and you can see the frustration. You know, they 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 have high hopes. You know, they 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 actually thought that this hearing was going to help take down Joe Biden and all this Hunter Biden stuff, and they still they still have not produced the smoking gun. And 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 it's not just people like Gorka. I mean, you're hearing this on mainstream on Fox. You know, people like Britt Hume. You know, across the board, you're hearing like. Steve Ducey, you know, on, on, on Fox, you're like, you just, you haven't shown us anything linking this to Joe. And do you feel like, um, people who watch, I don't know who watches the Steve Bannon podcast or listens to it, but it, it must be strange to actually hear Republicans admitting that their plans are failing and actually saying the quiet stuff out loud, because normally you would just like keep shtum about it and hope that, it improved over, you know, day by day. But they're just basically, you know, throwing in the towel. Well, because you have to understand, they don't care about party politics or loyalty or being on a team. Right. You know, Democrats, I think, you know, we might disagree with something that each other does, but we kind of hold our tongue. We hold our fire a little bit. We have private conversations, but we're not going to we're not going to blast each other out in the open like that, you know, because that's part of being on a team. They have no sense of that. You know, it, they will blast each other and hammer each other and not really care what the consequences or the fallout of that is. You know, there was one moment in the hearing where um, Raskin said, uh, mentioned Steve Bannon and, and no, no, it was Moskowitz. When, when Moskowitz was reading that's what Steve Bannon had said that day about about Comer, he said, your guy, Steve Bannon and Comer recoiled immediately and said, he's not my guy. So. So you see, like these people all don't like each other and that that presents problems. It's the reason why they can't pass a continuing resolution or pass appropriation bills. They don't get along. It's so interesting, isn't it? The the, the just the culture of of the Republicans in Congress, because, you know, we need representatives that represent society. That's the whole point. Right. But I, I've. I've always believed that the U.S. really struggles in that area to have people that actually represent the people in in a position of power. And it's much more so on the Republican side. And as much as Donald Trump, you know, claims to be for the people and is not, he has never lived a life like the people. He does not know how to represent people or care. And, and that's the thing that frustrates me the most is that really Republicans are all, you know, especially people who are poorer or people who are struggling they're voting for the wrong team. You know, they, they, they are never going to benefit from the people that they are putting into office. Yeah, because they're 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 plugged into culture war issues yeah. that like the border is part of it. You know, crime that, uh, you know, um, the school racism. I mean, a lot of it goes back yeah. to racism. So so that that's what it is. And those things really get them fired up. And so they overlook other economic things because they, they get they're fired up over Bud Light, you know. Let's talk about splitting the vote, because, you know, this is obviously a, a bit of an issue. And uh, there's been a, an announcement about RFK Jr. potentially kind of launching as an independent, as a kind of libertarian. And, and this is kind of confusing, isn't it? Because th there isn't real consensus on whether a kind of third party or libertarian candidate is actually beneficial to Republicans or to Democrats or detrimental, I should say, to Republicans or, or Democrats. But Charlie Kirk is really not very happy about it. Let's take a look. But far more of the I don't trust the government brigade would vote for RFK Jr. if he were to run as a libertarian. Which then begs the question, why are there so many articles out of nowhere, ex nihilo, pushing RFK Jr. saying he's going to hurt Biden? This feels like an op, a scheme, a strategy, a machination, a plot, a ploy where they're trying to convince you that this is bad for Biden to run as a libertarian. Now, let's just think about this. Is there any evidence, any evidence, that when a libertarian runs for office, it hurts Democrats? Any evidence? No. In fact, libertarians being on the ballot almost always hurt Republicans. And we know this. We see it in so many different states. Libertarian being on the ballot hurt Donald Trump in Arizona and Georgia in 2020 and hurt us in the Kelly Loeffler, David Perdue Senate race. So now the media is trying to convince you, 
because of some flimsy polling. And again, I am receiving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails. Charlie Love RFK Jr. He's a man of his own ideas. He should have Trump should pick him as his vice president. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, he should not. That's a bad idea. I don't really know enough about the vote being split and and the potential for libertarian candidate or independent candidates to kind of cause cause trouble. T- tell me what I need to look out for here. As usual, these guys, it's always projection. And these guys always are critical of what they were doing. This was an op. The, 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 the RFK campaign was an op. It was an op by them to disrupt Biden and to disrupt the Democratic primary. And it didn't play out the way they hoped. You know, they thought they were RFK was going to force debates. They thought, you know, he was going to force Biden to spend money in in primaries and and campaign against him. And the Biden campaign and the Democrats and the DNC wisely handled handled it very wisely by just utterly and completely ignoring him and just saying, no, we're not debating. No, we're not going to talk about you. We're not going to run commercials about you. You're irrelevant. And that was the smart play. And, and that frustrated, you know, RFK and frustrated the right's plans because he's he's pretty much been a right winger for three years. The only shows he's ever goes on is Steve Bannon's podcast, Newsmax, you know, Fox. He goes on all the right wing shows. He doesn't go on any left leaning shows, even though he's supposedly a Democrat. Well, they well, won't have him on because he's nuts and he spreads yeah, misinformation he's a about conspiracy vaccines. theorists. Yeah. Right. So so this whole thing was an op by the right. But but then it didn't work. So now RFK is frustrated and saying, well, I'll just run as an independent or a libertarian since you won't let me since you're ignoring me. Um, and now the right is kind of it's not just him. Jack Posobiec and other right wing influencers are are on saying the same thing which is, well, wait a minute, we've built this guy up with our own supporters as being a great guy and a good guy, and many of them have even pushed Trump to choose him as his, as his running mate. And now the guy's going to be third party, and our supporters love RFK Jr. now. So they're worried that they've built this guy up with their own supporters, that many of them who think Trump is too old or Trump didn't get the job done might filter over to RFK, whereas Democrats don't like him. So it's impossible to tell right now who this is really going to hurt. But I can tell you that the right wing is very concerned. And there's still 11 months to go before the election. And anything could happen in that time, as we know, we're dealing with people, yeah. mature be mature gentlemen who could at any moment you know, slip and fall or have a heart attack. So there's the medical aspect of seeing this kind of election period through. But I think you're right. You know, this is something the Democrats have really done very well, not just with the um, with RFK Jr., but with the shutdown and with the impeachment. With the shutdown, they're like, we already had a deal. We did a deal back in the summer. This has nothing to do with us. you you got to sort this out. And exactly the same with the impeachment hearings, Joe Biden being like, yeah, good luck with that. And and the Trump prosecutions. Right. You you can't get a Democrat member of Congress to talk about the Trump prosecutions. Uh Uh-huh. You know? It's it's a very clever play, isn't it? Because it's actually harder to say nothing than it is to say a lot. And I don't think people realize that, that to get a whole political party to kind of just leave an issue alone, that requires a lot of control and whippage to coin a political phrase, um, and yet the Republicans, as you described, because I didn't really realize what, what you said earlier really was interesting to me is the fact that the Republicans don't like each other, they don't get on with each other. And there was that famous kind of argument with between Bobert and, and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene on the House floor right, arguing about who wanted to impeach Joe Biden first. Right. I mean, they, they, they are at each other's throats a lot of the time. And, and that is... You know, it, it's not good for democracy. I mean, people get to see that this is how they manage themselves, but it's good for Democrats. Yeah, and I, I could tell you, you know, growing up in politics, you know, 20 years ago, it was the exact opposite. You know, Republicans were, like in the George W. Bush era, yeah. very lockstep, very disciplined, very on message and consistent. And Democrats were kind of all over the place fighting with each other. Right. So, so that's completely reversed. And yeah, the one thing Trump has been good for is to unify the Democrat Party, you know, or help do that. 
Let's talk about Tommy Tuberville, because uh, this is a guy who just won't go away. <laughs> he's, he's so intrinsically racist. And it's it's and he doesn't he's not even very good at hiding it. We we have a, a little clip here. Just tell us what what we have to look forward to before I play it because I want people to listen out for the for the very kind of subtle racism. Yeah. So I mean, Tuberville, you know, he um, he's gotten all the dust up over the military, you know, blocking the promotions over abortion. But this is this is was a little different. Um, now he's talking about they he's asked why did you vote against the new incoming chair of the Joint Chiefs, when pretty much even all the other Republicans voted for him. He was not a very controversial nominee, um, and yet Tuberville voted against him. He also happens to be black. And, you know, Tuberville, it, it's sort of like we we go, we do, I'll say we do this in jury selection. Sometimes when um, you're representing a black defendant and you're questioning a white potential juror, uh, you know, it's obvious they don't like the person, but they can't tell you they, they can't articulate why. And the reason why is because of the racism. And this is what happened here with Tuberville is he cannot articulate exactly why he was against this guy. So he comes up with a bullshit excuse, which really shows that it was all racial, really. And this is an example of systemic racism that, that people don't understand this kind of built-in racism you know this kind of Jim Crow era attitude that a lot of kind of older people have where you know this is what they knew from their past and this is what they want their present future to look like so he's basically saying I want to preempt this because I don't want anyone to miss it he basically says that to have a proper strong military it needs to be white soldiers if you have, if you yep. start having black soldiers or LGBTQ plus soldiers yep. or minorities in any way Coming into the military, you're not going to have a, a strong military. They have, to be, they have to be, I can't believe I'm even saying this stuff. Okay, here he is. Now, uh, I heard yeah. some things that he talked about, about race and things that he wanted to mix into the military. Let me tell you something. Our military is not an equal opportunity employer. We're looking for the best of best to do whatever. We're not lo looking for uh, uh, different groups, social justice groups. We don't want to single-handedly destroy our military from within we all need to be one. It's like a football team I coach. You can't have different groups. Everybody's got to be together to win. There's no second place in war. And I mean, he's a he's a racist and he's a dope. I mean, he doesn't know anything at all about the military whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing. Okay. He's never served. He, he never had any interest in it. He, but he's on the Armed Services Committee with all this with all this pull. I mean, for, I I don't think I. He, he, I don't think he meant to say it's not an equal opportunity employer. I think what he was trying to say is it's not about affirmative action or diversity and equity inclusion. And, you know, but, you know, the words that he used show the racism, you know, it, well, he's it, a white supremacist. I mean, that's he what really it is. is. He's, just... What he's saying is, you know, he wants to go back to the good old days when the military was all straight white men. Yeah. Which goes back to the make America white again you know concept that really you know for all the conversations we have about this stuff so much of it goes back to this this systemic racism and you know it's 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 truly tragic in this day and age let's talk about diane feinstein finally because uh, she has passed away at the age of 90 um she had a whole life ahead of her so how how does how is this going to change the political um the kind of California storyline, of course, because she represents San Francisco. This is now a, a, an issue for Gavin Newsom, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, I predict that this appointment is going to be made b before this show airs. The, the, this show is going to air on Wednesday. We're on we're on Saturday. It's going to be made today or tomorrow. I, I think Gavin Newsom already knows who he's going to appoint. And uh, and. Gavin Newsom follows me on Twitter, which is part of the reason why I posted this. As I said, sometimes I post tweets for an audience of one, and this was my tweet to Gavin Newsom. Right. Which is, I'm pretty let, sure let me that... read it for our audio go ahead, people. Go ahead. You said, it's obvious that the only logical choice for Gavin Newsom is to appoint someone who pledges not to run for the seat. He shouldn't put his thumb on the scale in the primary. He doesn't want to, and he won't. 
<laughs> well, you're telling him, aren't you? That, that's suggestive selling by me to Gavin Newsom. <laughs> that's not subliminal. That that is that is full on, full frontal. It, it has worked in the past. I will say <laughs> that um, I'm not going to say what the issue was, but there was one thing that he was about to do, and I kind of weighed in and said this would be politically a disaster if you do it, and he backed off and didn't do it. Now I'm not I'm not claim, saying credit, but you know, hopefully he does. Um, agree with some of the things that I say that maybe that's why he follows me. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if he appointed, if he appoints anybody that's run, the, the three main contenders are Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee. If he appoints any of those three, he is putting his thumb on the scale and giving that person a tremendous advantage over the other two in the primary. And he absolutely cannot do that. He's going to alienate those, those supporters and he needs those people. So really what he should do is just pick somebody who pledges not to run. They will not run under any circumstances, maybe a Barbara Boxer, maybe an Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, somebody like that who's, who's just going to go in and be a caretaker for the seat until the primary. And, and, I mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger, somebody who agrees that they're going to caucus with the Democrats. That's what I was going to say. Schwarzenegger is a Republican. Or <laughs> yeah, well, I, but, I don't know that he's so much a Republican anymore. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I actually watch a lot of his videos that he makes. Uh, and they're very moving. He really is so surprising, isn't it? I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but you wouldn't. I, I wasn't living in California when he was the governor. But when I read about it, I was like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I suppose people did the same with Ronald Reagan in the uh, in the 80s, like that line from Back to the Future. Who's the president? Ronald Reagan, the actor. Yeah. So how could that be? Right? How could how could that be? And uh, and tragically, it was. Um, OK, well, let's um, we, we have to finish. But I, I just want to kind of end this episode by by thanking you again for your for being so candid as you always are. I, I enjoy the fact that, and I want to get to the bottom one day of your conservative leanings that have enabled you to register as a Democrat and, you know, want to kind of overcome the rise of fascism. Because I think that your calling is actually quite similar to Joe Biden's calling that brought him out of retirement to kind of do this job because he knew about the existential threat to American democracy. Would you say that your, your calling is the same? Yeah, I, in fact, it, that was that's an interesting. I never thought of it that way, but I really did feel a connection to Biden in 2020, and uh, probably that's why. Because yeah, I I had completely checked out uh, for three years of politics after Donald Trump became president. I didn't even want to turn the TV on, you know, other than to watch football or something. Yeah. So yeah, and and so it was that 2020 election and COVID and everything that brought me sort of back out of retirement to, you know, to defeat Donald Trump. And I did a lot of commercials and stuff for Biden in 20 as a Republican against uh, Trump and a Republican for Biden. Um, in fact, when I went to vote here in Florida, I my shirt said Republicans for Biden. And uh, I'm in a Republican area and it was a uh, pretty uncomfortable, <laughs> a lot of dirty looks, you know, but uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I definitely feel the, that that connection and i think a lot of people also felt the same that they recognized the importance of of maintaining the the kind of the culture and the spirit of of free america and there is so much proof now uh, evidence both in print and on video of what america would have to look forward to if donald trump or any republican you know extremist maga far-right christian nationalist republican winning in 2024 would mean for the status quo. And and it's it's so interesting. I mean, I've said before, and I'll say it again, it's almost like the Democrats have become traditional Republicans now, and the Republicans have become the chaos party. Yeah, in so many areas. I mean, when you, when you look at Ukraine, I mean, you know, the, the idea that, you know, the whole Democratic Party would support foreign aid for a war and only half of the Republicans would do that against Russia. Yeah. It's inconceivable to me as somebody who spent, you know, 35 years as a Republican activist that this would be the case today. And living but, through the, the Cold War and there never being a question as to whose side you would be on, not for a moment. And the fact that that has changed so much, all credit to the Kremlin manipulating people. You know, that's what they do. And by manipulating Trump, they've 
through him, he is their mouthpiece. He has basically manipulated Americans and Republicans. And, and that is, a, you know, I always say the Russians play a long game. They, they know what they're doing. You know, there's a, there's a reason they were the first people to put a man in space. You know, they, they ain't stupid. Okay. Thanks again. All the best, Ron. And uh, we'll catch each other next Wednesday at the same time. You can download the podcast later tonight, the audio podcast, and you can rewind the show straight away and have another look. I'm Anthony Davis. Here's Ron Filipkowski. We'll see you next time on Uncovered. 